We're going to talk about this with former Kansas District Attorney and now professor at Liberty School of Law, Phil Klein. That's coming up a little bit later. And are you looking for hope and happiness? Well, you've tuned in to the right place. A little later, Dr. John Plake will join me. John will join me to discuss the recent, re recently released findings of the American Bible Society that tells us who is happy and hopeful and why. That's coming up later here on Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 29. They joined with their brothers, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his rules and his statutes. Responding to the word of God, those who had returned from captivity in Babylon repented of their sins and the sins of their fathers. But the next step they took was they committed to return to God in obedience as the word of God instructed. They didn't attempt some new, more contemporary interpretation of God's word, but they returned to the word as it was given by God. And so must we. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That truth, my friends, has not changed, and it never will. Jesus is the way. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org Bible. With the news last week of Donald Trump's indictment on 37 felony counts related to classified documents, the eyes of the nation shifts to Miami, where prosecutors will formally arraign the former president tomorrow. Now, the left already claims the Trump-appointed judge assigned to the case, Judge Eileen Cannon of Florida's Southern District, will be sympathetic to the former president. But, frankly, there are bigger questions about the charges. Were they politically motivated? Is this another example of a double standard? Now, before you run to conclusions here, I mean, when was Hillary Clinton indicted for the abuse of classified documents that were housed on a server in her bathroom. Will Joe Biden be indicted? He's had dozens, hundreds of documents in his various homes. They both had classified documents, information stored in their homes, and nothing has happened. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Pat Fallon. He serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability and the House Armed Services Committee represents the 4th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Fallon, welcome back to the program. Good to see you. Hope you had a great weekend. Well, Tony, thank you very much. Same to you, and it's great to see you. So first, your reaction when you learned of former President Trump's indictment um, last week? Well, I think you used a great word, Tony, chilling. And it was it kind of reminded me of, you know, here we go again. They, they are just constantly taking snipes at this fella, and uh, it, it's it's unprecedented. And Joe Biden's administration did this, and Joe Biden was the one in 2020 that was running on return to normalcy. Remember that? And right. instead, he did something that has never been done in two and a half centuries. I mean, the, the, and, and I don't want to be dismissive of anything that former President Trump may have done. I don't know. I mean, I'm only, you know, seeing what's in the in the press, what we've read. But, I mean, there's a history, there's a pattern here of them constantly going after this president. And there does appear, and you don't have to reach to see this, but a double standard. I mean, as I mentioned, Hillary Clinton, a lot was said about the, uh, you know, homemade uh, uh, server that she had that had uh, thousands of uh, messages that were confidential and uh, uh, violated the law, but nothing was done there. I know, and Comey actually even said, you know, the FBI said, you know, she has violated the law. She has violated national security, but, in a big B-U-T, we don't think charges should be brought in this case. That was their recommendation to the Department of Justice. So I think it's very ironic and very telling that the exact opposite uh, we're seeing here now. Uh, there is a distinction between... Uh, Hillary Clinton and former or then Vice President Joe Biden and President Trump. You know, President Trump actually has the law on his side when it comes to the Presidential uh, Records Act. No, that's exactly it. The president has the authority, constitutional authority, to declassify documents, really everything except national security, or I'm sorry, uh, atomic secrets. That's governed under another provision and anything that may jeopardize active agents on foreign soil. Other than that, 
if he wants something declassified, de uh, it can be. And there's no exact uh, outline procedure to do that. So as long as he does it, uh, it's declassified. The Vice President Biden at the time did not have that authority, and neither did Secretary of State Clinton. And who gets indicted? President Trump. Has anyone alleged that this information got outside the hands of uh, President Trump into the hands of a foreign agent? You know what, Tony? That's a great question, because no, nobody is alleging that any national security has been compromised. N nothing has uh, leaked out or anything of, of that nature. They're saying simply and merely the possession of it in a presidential home after his presidency, where he had the power to declassify it, is somehow criminal and warrants up to 400 years in prison? Is this, you know, I, I don't like, is this the United States of America or is this Venezuela? But let's look, juxtapose that to Hillary Clinton, who had this information not stored, you know, in physical uh, confines of a bathroom, but on a server that we know, you know, even when I was uh, at the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, uh, there and our work was, you know, sensitive but not necessarily classified. You know, our servers were hacked by the Chinese Communist Party because we were writing reports about China. Do you not think that China may have been targeting the Secretary of State? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's where the World Wide Web is just what it seems. Worldwide, anyone could have hacked into this, and we've got a lot of issues already with Chinese hackers and Russian hackers. Uh, Belarusian hackers, North Korean, et cetera, at Al, really. And no, you can't hack into a box unless you're physically present. And there's a secret service there, and the president has his own security. And again, he had the authority to declassify what was in the box. And this is somehow criminal? At, at best, it should have been, well, you know what? We really demand these documents back. And they just take them back, and it ends it. Not that this... I'm going to charge you and you could spend the rest of your life in prison. You want to right. talk about chilling. That's the very definition of it. And again, I don't want to prejudge the facts. I'm just I'm observing what I see and what I've seen over the last several years. So with with that in mind, uh, Congressman Fallon, th there's a bigger issue here. I think that this is striking at the very foundation of our system of justice. You know, the, the Bible makes clear that we're not to have unequal weights and standards. Now, that's talking about economic activity. But if it's important that we not defraud individuals when it comes to economic transactions, well, the same principle of justice is in the Scripture when it comes to making sure that we treat people fairly according to the established law. This really shakes the very foundation of the idea that we have equal justice for all Americans. Mm -hmm. Okay, so exactly, Tony. I mean, if we ha we have divided government right now, the Republicans are in charge of the House. Should we impeach uh, Joe Biden twice? Simply, you know, out of revenge for them doing that? And you can. You have the power president. to do it. You have the power yeah, to do it. Yeah. But is it we the right thing to do? Right, exactly, because we have discernment and we want to go where evidence leads us. I think that Joe Biden very well, I think it's a probability, quite frankly, that he did uh, uh, commit impeachable offenses um, prior to his presidency with the, with the compromising of national security being bribed. That what I think and what I can prove right now are two different things. That's why we, in our investigation, are is we're only going where the evidence leads us. And every time we find evidence, we seem to find four or five more points of evidence. I mean, Tony, three, four months ago, we thought we could only actually prove that the Biden family had received $1 million from foreign nationals. Now we know for a fact it's at least $10 million. We can prove that. We suspect it's probably closer to 30 to 50 million. We simply can't prove that yet because we're going where evidence leads us. We were unaware of the, uh, the 1023 form until a whistleblower brought it to our attention. And then lo and behold, we asked the FBI, are there more F uh, 1023s? And yes, there are. They didn't volunteer that to us. We would have known none of this if we didn't have subpoena power, if we didn't control the House, and if we didn't then threaten uh, the FBI Director Ray with contempt of Congress. It's interesting. Your investigation is, uh, is, having, is having compounding results, uh, the dollar amounts moving from a million to 10 million. I, I want to go back to something you, you said, Congressman Fallon, about discernment. And I think it's very important that it's not politically motivated. As you said, 
the, the Republicans control the House, they could impeach uh, Joe Biden. I mean, there's enough, I think. And when you guys get finished, there may be enough there to do it. But the point is discernment in what is right. I, I actually spoke uh, back, uh, you, you remember in the 2016 election, the, the phrase lock her up. Everybody wanted Hillary Clinton yes. uh, to go to jail. And, you know, when President Trump won the election and that evidence was was out there it was about her and her misuse of classified information. I inquired about, you know, why didn't the administration pursue it? And it was the issue was discernment in that it would only divide the nation and serve no greater purpose. Now, we can disagree with that. But in that particular case, the Trump administration put the nation above this one particular individual and how it might be perceived. That obviously is nothing that uh, th that this administration can even considers. No, not at all. I mean, they just attack, 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 and they don't know uh, anything else. They're, what Joe Biden has proven in the last two and a half years is all he does is cater to his far, sorry, his, his far left-wing base constantly. And he doesn't show much discernment at all. And quite frankly, I do think he has some um, impairment, uh, cerebral impairment, and that's very unfortunate. We have to pray for him in that regard uh, because the, there's, a, there's a lot at stake when you're the president of the United yeah, States, in fact, the is. most. Um, and, and that's why I think we need to all use our discernment in a year and a half when we right. go to the ballot box. That, that's the bottom line. Uh, Congressman, we're out of time. Pat, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tony. God bless. All right, folks, stick with us. We're back after this. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this uh, Monday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you'd like to get a, a copy of my new 
Bible study guide for the book of Nehemiah, Rebuilding a Nation. It's available both in print and you can get it digitally. You can download it. Go to frc.org slash Nehemiah or simply text Nehemiah to 67742. That's Nehemiah to 67742. All right, as I was just discussing with Congressman Fallon, there's a growing concern among many Americans as they witness both the two-tiered system of justice and the left weaponizing the levers of government to target their opponents. I'm mean, just ask you, are, you, are you concerned? Do you see this? Does this bother you? Are you disturbed by it? So how should Christians called to submit to the government authorities established by God respond to this? Well, first, I think we need to be praying. Uh, the, the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual. You know, Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. And this is a stronghold. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. We must resist responding to the lawlessness of the left with the same. We need to be very careful and discerning, as we were just talking about, to protect the law, to protect our Constitution, even though it's being shredded by the left. We need to protect it, uphold it, and adhere to it. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Phil Klein. He is an associate professor at Liberty School of Law and the former attorney, uh, former uh, district attorney uh, in Kansas and Johnson County. Professor Klein, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Good to be with you, Tony. So let's talk first about this case, uh, this indictment against uh, Donald Trump that we see, former President Donald Trump. Uh, Your initial observations of this? Well, uh, twofold. First of all, these are laws that generally cannot be enforced without an understanding of the law's purpose, where it will be abused. The purpose of this law is to prevent people from trading on secrets of the United States contrary to the interests of the United States, and clearly Donald Trump did not do that. And so what you see, and unfortunately what we have today, is we have more federal criminal laws than we can count. We have laws that don't require you to understand them for you to be convicted, laws that don't require you to do anything morally wrong for you to be convicted, and laws that don't even require you to have intent for you to be convicted, that the discretion available to our government today allows a prosecutor, if given the person, to choose the crime. And that's what you see happening, unfortunately, with the Department of Justice through a disparate treatment of former President Trump as it compared as it is compared to others who may have had technical or even intentional violations of the same laws. You don't see the department taking that seriously. So um, it is reflective of weaponization and it's reflective of a growing belief um, that government can create the utopia that humankind wants. So therefore we have to cede power of government to attack its enemies rather than starting with the presumption that freedom and liberty are are to be protected by government, cherished by citizens, but, and that government is to be constrained. And hey. so it, this is a natural outgrowth, Tony, much as what you described of where American culture, unfortunately, is today. Uh, well, Phil, that, that what you described is what we see in banana republics, where the well, law is used, where the law is used by individuals to advance their own agenda and purpose. Well, we see it throughout human history. We've seen it in this nation when we had laws endorsing slavery and and how we treated women. We saw it with black codes in the South through the 40s. We've seen it any time that human beings begin to believe that they have the path to creating the best society um, and, and aren't humble before a God. This is what they will do. They will continue to grow their government in an effort to create that society and describe anybody who opposes them as an enemy to be punished. We we, we see it in the Old Testament. The the nation of Israel said, give us a king. And and God said, well, look, I'm a pretty good king. 
You know, you, you follow the rules I lay out, you will learn to have relationship with one another. If you want a king, he's going to take and take and take and take and take. And and that's what we've got today. So, we've got, so, unfortunately, in America that has faith, greater faith in government than in God. And where you place your faith, you will place your treasure, your wealth, your children. Well, And it, that's what we see. And you will ultimately have to submit to to wherever you you place that now with god it's voluntary with government it's not uh, but this is the result of a of a society a culture that's become untethered to the truth now i want to go back for for a moment to to the law in this particular case you know we've we've made you've juxtaposed this to the the you didn't mention by name but hillary clinton joe biden both had uh, documents and others have as well but the president was a little bit different and explain very quickly. We're going to be up against a break and you're going to stick around, I know, through the break. But the Presidential Records Act gives the president, a former president, a lot of latitude, does it not? Yeah, basically he can declassify at will. And, and in comparing the two, Tony, look that Joe Biden had multiple years to prepare for his transition because as soon as Obama was reelected, he knew the date that he would have to leave the executive office building as vice president. President Trump had a few weeks. President Trump was in contact as it relates to his records with the records administrators and the National Archives. Joe Biden was not. Um, they found those documents. President Trump, you don't have any inferences. We know about the Russian collusion hoax, and we don't have any inferences or facts that indicate that he tried to profiteer as it relates to the possession of these records. You have a lot of smoking guns with Joe Biden as it relates to the possession of records that are directly tied to his son's business interests and those who invested in the Biden family right. would right. have a desire to know what is in those records. So it's, it's profound that uh, A.G. Garland is this aggressive against Trump. Uh, not not profound. It's to be expected, unfortunately, right. of the Biden administration. Well, and, and again, we're up against a break. Not not in any way to be dismissive of what may be there, but it's the, it's on its face there is a double standard that has clearly emerged that's troubling, and does not provide the confidence to every American that justice is blind in this country. All right, Phil, stick with us. We're going to be back on the other side of the break, folks. Don't go away. We're back with more with Phil Klein right after this. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org slash worldview. Again, go to frc.org slash worldview. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Thanks for tuning in on this Monday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. 
Now, you may or may not have realized yesterday was Flag Day. That's uh, a day to fly the American flag and celebrate all that it stands for. Well, the Biden administration was apparently confused. Uh, over the weekend, they flew the homosexual pride flag. In fact, they created a bit of a controversy because they flew the flag inappropriately at the White House over the weekend. The American flag is to be preeminent. It's to be above all the other flags, Texas being the only exception there that Texas flag. That was, uh, as I said, that was not the case at the White House. Both hung, both flags, the pride flag. Uh, I, I assume it's still the pride flag because they've added all these other things to it. It's constantly changing. They hung that at the same height as the American flag. I point that out because increasingly what we see from the left is they're pushing this agenda that has no regard for rules, for the law, or even the Constitution. Now, continuing the conversation with uh, Liberty University School of Law Associate Professor Phil Klein. Uh, Phil, thanks for sticking around. I, I want to ask you about this. There was an incident captured entirely on video earlier this month. It was police in Reading, Pennsylvania, arrested a man for quoting the Bible on public property at a pride parade. Now, Damon Atkins was standing near a group of Christians observing this pride march and rally, but found himself arrested less than a minute after his arrival, a minute, for beginning to quote a verse from 1 Corinthians. Police cuffed and escorted Atkins away to uh, applause from the Pride March crowd. Now, according to press reports, the Reading DA threw out the charges uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, I mean, again, no regard for the law or the Constitution. I mean, this is clearly a First Amendment violation. You know, Tony, um, I, I know that you've been to the National Archives. You've seen our Bill of Rights. It's in a vault because it's written on parchment so fragile. If it was exposed to oxygen, it would crumble. It will not stop tyranny. It will not stop a bullet. That document, its only power is present. If the truth reflected in its words resonate in the heart of a people. And unfortunately, there have been decades now of teaching in America that the Constitution is not relevant to modern society, that it is an impediment to government creating the society that we need. And therefore, now you see people with gross ignorance of how important free speech is, and free thought for that matter, to Western society and to our freedoms. Um, it, you know, this is happening throughout Western culture. You have persons arrested in Great Britain for silently praying. You have numerous pastors that have been arrested and parents in Canada who desire to direct the medical care of their own children. So what you again have is a culture that is losing its tie to truth and instead believing that government has the ability and the jurisdiction to create a perfect society. And human history teaches us that's a lie. And it always leads to a tyranny. Right. And, and you see some of the foundations of core American principles starting to crumble under the weight of this false teaching that's so present in our culture today. Now, Phil, as you pointed out, and the, the what we see happening in Europe, what we see happening in Canada, very similar, but there's one big difference that, you, you know, is we have the First Amendment, as you pointed out, which yeah, protects that right. freedom of speech and that freedom of assembly. So in this particular case, this is where I think like Paul, ex he exercised his rights as a Roman citizen and and used the, the legal system, so to speak. And so I, I would think that this uh, street preacher, Damon Atkins, has a, a strong case uh, against the Reading Police Department for false arrest in violation of his First Amendment. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think that uh, this type of case will proceed very far at all, that actually our judicial system is our savior here in adhering to the clear meaning of the United States Constitution. And you're right, Tony, in Western Europe, there is no constitution that protects free speech. There is not a Bill of Rights like we have in the United States. But even despite this, our constitution is written word. And if words have no meaning, you can start to interpret them in any fashion you desire. And we increasingly see that in our culture. 
where speech of love is called hate, where intolerance is called tolerance, um, where people claim to be fighting for truth and in the same voice claim that objective truth does not exist. This, this type of undermining of objective truth does I got that phone call. And so um, we have to restore in our culture a basic understanding of the importance of and, these freedoms and the proper role of government. And, you know, and I think we, we, do, we do that Go by ahead. exercising them. And, and this is where I think this, uh, this street preacher, I think Damon Atkins should, should turn and sue the city of Reading, Pennsylvania, for the violation of his First Amendment freedoms. I think as Christians, we need to be aggressive in using the legal system to defend our freedoms. This is not a time to go silent. Uh, Phil, once again, out of time, but I want to thank you for joining us, and uh, thank you for your insights today. Always, always great to see you. Thank you, sir. You know, again, folks, I, I think we need to exercise our rights. We should not surrender our freedoms easily. We need to stand firm for the truth, and we need to use the legal system to defend those freedoms. As, he, as Phil was saying, it's fragile paper that those rights stand upon. The way we preserve them is by standing firm for them. All right, coming up next, we're going to be looking at hope and happiness. Where does it come from? That's next. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742 and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. Well, 
a top advisor at the World Economic Forum has called for artificial intelligence to rewrite scripture in order to create a new Bible. Yuval Noah Hari, a best-selling author and noted atheist, argues that using AI to rewrite a new version of the Bible would create religions that are actually correct, unifying people. You know, while the world's elite may think they can improve upon the Word of God, uh, I don't agree. New research from the American Bible Society, State of the Bible 2023, shows that biblically engaged Christians, that, that would be those who actually read the Bible, have greater hope and happiness for their lives. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Dr. John Plake, Chief Ministry Insights and Innovation Officer at the American Bible Society. Dr. Plake, welcome back to the program. Tony, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you today. So we've talked about the connection between scripture engagement and human flourishing before. Uh, this is the third chapter, if I'm not mistaken, that's been released of the, this, uh, of the findings of this year's uh, information. So what do we know in this new release? Well, you're right. We have talked about the connection between scripture engagement and human flourishing before. In fact, we've been studying this in some depth since 2020, right before the pandemic began. And and it's remained true that those who engage with Scripture, they consistently interact with the Bible in ways that shape their choices and transform their relationship with God and with others. Those people exhibit the highest levels of human flourishing that we've measured anywhere in the United States. And so when we look back, we can look at the trends, right? We can look back at January and June of 2020, January of 2021, 2022, 2023. And as we look at those trends, and human flourishing across that time frame, we saw some really significant dips in the way people were feeling about their lives. Their levels of human flourishing just fell off a cliff. Their mental and physical health was doing poorly. Their overall sense of meaning and purpose and all of these measures of well-being just went way, way down. And of course, as we adjusted to the pandemic across the culture, we've seen people adjusting. We've seen kind of a new normal develop, although I'm still a little concerned about mental and physical health in America. But here's the interesting thing from my perspective. At every one of these time points, when we looked at people who were engaged in scripture, every single time, no matter what was happening in the world, they were experiencing higher levels of flourishing in every domain compared to their neighbors in America. Overall, they're happier, they're more fulfilled, and we've talked about this. So it's great to see what we know and what we experience in our day-to-day -day walk with God borne out in the data across America. You know, the, the three keys to the, to the flourishing here, forgiveness, gratitude, and, and purpose. And as I look through the data, what I, what I thought was uh, not surprising, not at all, uh, but very telling was the the issue of purpose and how those that were biblically engaged were, I mean, by far uh, up on the, the upper end of the scale of a sense of purpose. You know, we do notice that their sense of meaning and purpose is extremely high. We, we noted in the chapter, and I'm reminded of that famous quote by Viktor Frankl, who wrote in Man's Search for Meaning this. He said, life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. And, you know, hopeful people, how hopeful people are, is, isn't just determined by what's going on around them. It actually comes from inside them. It comes from their worldview and their beliefs about what could happen next. And so it's not really surprising to see people who are engaging with Scripture exhibit the kind of faith that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things that are not yet seen. And so when we looked at that domain of meaning and purpose, we actually saw Scripture-engaged Americans scoring 8.3, which is way above anything else that we were seeing in the research. It's, you know, as, as, as followers of Christ, I think once we surrender our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're living for something greater than ourselves, and it's, it's really that transcendent cause or purpose. And, and as you pointed out, no matter the difficulty or the challenges that we might face in life, when we have a greater purpose, we have an endurance that sees us through those challenges. And we see them not as game stoppers, but we see them as 
obstacles to overcome in simply strengthening strengthening us in our call to serve the Lord. I think that's exactly right. There are a couple of scholars who wrote several years ago through a Lilly Foundation grant about uh, meaning and purpose. They're Brian Dick and Ryan Duffy. If you ever run across them, they're wonderful people. And and what they talked about was this sense of calling, the sense of transcendent summons and the impact that it makes in people's lives. And they wrote about the fact that this sense of calling that we get from God is mediated by Scripture. It's mediated by hearing God's voice through Scripture. But it shows up in the most amazing places when people maybe look like they shouldn't be living a great life, and yet they are living out a calling from God, even when they're standing on a, a, a roadside turning a, a, a slow or stop sign, you know, at a, at a construction zone. God gives us purpose no matter what the circumstances are around us. So, Dr. Plake, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's unpack that for those that might be listening that, um, you know, pr- predominantly our audience uh, is is Christian, uh, go to church, familiar with it. Maybe occasionally we get those that tune in that uh, are not. But it's not just a matter of going to church. It's not just a matter of professing faith. We're, we're talking about something more here that leads us, because I think some just kind of dabble in Christianity just enough to kind of make them miserable. Uh, but you gotta, you gotta go. You gotta be all in. What's that look like? You know, we tend to talk about scripture engagement in three big buckets or categories. We talk about people who are scripture engaged, and what that means is they're consistently interacting with the Bible and they're allowing it to influence their day to day lives. And that's where we want everybody to be. Those are the people who are experiencing the best life. But I was encouraged this year to see that while the numbers of Scripture-engaged Americans haven't gone up much in America, the group right below them, what we call the movable middle or Bible test drivers, this group of people has grown rather significantly over the last year. There are 76 million American adults who are open to the Bible. They're curious about what the Bible says. And often they just don't know where to start. They have questions and they don't quite know how to answer them from Scripture. And I think that's an opportunity for all of us who know God and know God's Word to lean over to our neighbor and help them find what they're looking for, help them experience God's hope and transformation, um, just like we've experienced. So would you describe that as a as a new moment where people, for whatever reason, maybe coming out of COVID, as you talked about, we still have some really significant mental health challenges. We live in this social media driven culture where we 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 have a lot of friends uh, at least online but very little interaction with with people so are are people looking for that greater meaning for life is that where that that movable uh, segment is you know i think it is Most Americans actually think the Bible is a good idea. Very few, about 14% of Americans say, oh, we'd be better off without the Bible. But uh, what is that? You know, 86% or eight or nine out of 10 of your neighbors are likely to say, no, I I think the Bible is a good idea, but they don't always know how to interact with it at their point of need. And it isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes it's a new thing coming up. They're entering into a new relationship. They're maybe getting married. They're about to become a, a father. They're about to graduate from college and enter into a career, they have some positive or negative transition, grief, loss, difficulty, a challenge, an addiction, or a struggle. And in those places, people are more open to wisdom from outside themselves. They're not kind of stuck in the rut or like Timbuk3 used to sing, doing all right, getting good grades, future so bright, got to wear shades. You know, they're, they're looking for something more. And I think those are the opportunities where we as followers of Christ, need to be sensitive to and in relationship with our neighbors and willing to share the hope that is within us. And one of the other of the three is is gratitude, which I think is probably the most significant. I mean, all of these are significant, but if you have a heart of gratitude and you're thankful to the Lord for whatever you have or whatever you don't have, I mean, it's a game changer when you have gratitude. You know, it really is. Uh, recognizing that everything that we have comes from God 
is really transformational. And in Christian speak, we call this having a life of stewardship, or sometimes we'll use the term, well, we're sold out for God. We're willing to give everything for Christ. We're willing to recognize everything that we have comes from him. And when you live every day as though it's a gift, right? Today is the day that the Lord has made, the Bible says, and I'll rejoice and I'll be glad in it. And so I think the Bible has a lot to say about challenging circumstances. Uh, Much of it was written to the Jewish people who were experiencing a great number of trials and struggles over their ancient Near Eastern history. And yet God was present with them and he was willing to help them. And when they turned to him, he did in fact help them. I think that story is still true today. When we turn to God, and we are grateful for what he's given us, and we ask him for help to persevere in times of difficulty, he gives exactly that. I mean, we're, we're told in uh, Philippians, you know, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make our request known unto God. And I just, again, I just think a heart of gratitude, regardless of the circumstances, it's not, you know, happiness does not, we're not talking about happiness, we're talking about a contentment and a gratefulness that I think produces joy in our lives, separate from some of the circumstances that we may face. So we got purpose, we got gratitude, and another one that I think is huge, which I've just seen so many people tripped up on and robbed of the joy of living for failing to experience and to extend forgiveness. You know, it is one of the most diagnostic questions that we have ever asked in the state of the Bible research. And the question goes basically like this. uh, Are you able to unconditionally forgive all those who have wronged you, whether they ask you for forgiveness or not? Wow. Uh, That's interesting in the abstract. But if you're struggling to forgive somebody in particular, it's hard to say yes to that. But the Bible tells us so clearly about why we should forgive, how we can forgive because we are forgiven, um, and how to go about practicing a life where we release um, those who are maybe in our debt. In fact, it's in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Lord, I forgive those who've trespassed against me just as you've forgiven me. And, And so that education about the power of forgiveness is really great. And what was interesting is in the data, we noticed that people who could forgive, whether they were Christians or not, they were actually experiencing a better life. And what's great about that is that the Bible's principles work because they are created by the author of the universe. They're just the way we're made. And whether you accept the narrative of Scripture yet, or maybe you're new to the Bible and you wonder about the validity and veracity of Scripture, uh, try out its principles and you'll find that they work in your life. I mean, that is so important, Dr. Blake, when you look at the evidence here, as, as you've gone through with the American Bible Society and you've looked at this, you, you've basically plotted a way out for people who want a life of significance, a life of happiness, a life of peace. I mean, all of the things that people are striving for and looking for, it's, it's right there. I mean, the Bible is really kind of the roadmap for life. And, and again, you could take and separate the redemptive aspect, which I don't suggests that we do because it's fundamental to our future happiness and all of eternity. But the principles are there. And whoever uses those principles will benefit from those principles. So as a society as a whole, even if you want to set apart the redemptive nature, which again, I argue you shouldn't, it would be good for all of society. And that's exactly right. You know, uh, Anything that looks like it couldn't have happened by accident probably tells you there was a designer. The bicycle that's sitting in my garage that I enjoy riding from time to time, it it didn't just randomly come together. It was designed by some very smart people who figured out how to build it, how to package it, what gear ratios to use. And I always find that my bike works better when I maintain it according to the user manual. And so the Bible, in some yeah. sense, is kind of like that. It's the the owner's manual, or we used to say basic instruction before leaving Earth uh, was the acronym for the Bible. But it's reductionistic. It really is God's story of welcome to those who are far from him and how they can draw close and experience a fullness of life. So, Dr. Blake, what uh, can we be anticipating next as we look to the next chapter of the American Bible Society's uh, study on the use of the Bible? 
You know, we're going to be telling more about how the Bible brings about great benefit in people's lives. Uh, we actually skipped a chapter that I wanted to just encourage people to download. They can get all the current chapters at stateofthebible.org. But one of the things that I found interesting last month was the value that we found from people actually changing their faith tradition. And I'm a former pastor. I never wanted to see people church hopping. Uh, but I've, what I've noticed is that when people engage in their faith and they're willing to seek out a place where they can hear God's voice and follow his direction, then it doesn't really matter what Christian faith tradition that is. We find that they're healthier and that they're stronger. And so I just want to encourage people, whether it's through reading research or picking up God's word, lean into your faith. Because yeah. when we do that, God meets us and he helps us and we find hope and help for the future. Gives us purpose for living. Dr. Plague, great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to join us today. My pleasure. Thanks again, Tony. And, and folks, I would encourage you to, uh, to be in the Word of God. That's why we're doing our two-year journey through the Bible, and we're about to begin the New Testament. It'd be a great time to join us. In fact, this coming uh, weekend, we'll be in the book of Matthew. To find out more about that Bible reading plan, you can go to frc.org slash Bible, or just go to TonyPerkins.com. And uh, also, I'll remind you, we do have a new study guide out for the book of Nehemiah. You can get a copy of that by texting Nehemiah to 67742. But be in the Word. It is our source of hope, strength, and that relationship with our Creator gives our lives purpose. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.